I close my eyes. I put my hand on my heart and I just sit there for 30 seconds and breathe. And I open my eyes again. And there is a huge difference going into that next meeting with some more awareness of how I'm feeling and also centering myself versus the Ashley that's like, okay, I'm buzzing to the next meeting, to the next meeting, to the next meeting. And I'm ignoring what is really being called out for me to feel inside of me. Again, that's what I call authentic power, which is your wisdom within. We already all have the answers. I really feel like we all have the answers to our own healing, what our bodies need, what our hearts need, what our souls need. If we just allowed ourselves to be still and to listen to the wisdom that we all have within. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Do you ever find yourself being triggered and it seems to come out of nowhere? Or maybe you find yourself being triggered by the smallest things, especially when you're more stressed or dealing with pain like a migraine. Now, I had a migraine a couple days ago, and I watched my stress resilience go out the window. All of a sudden, things that were not an issue hours prior were a big freaking issue with the migraine. And logically, I knew what was going on. My stress response system had been hijacked, and it was flooding my body with triggered emotions and negative thoughts. Now, without awareness and ability to process these emotions and thoughts, I would have gotten stuck getting triggered over and over and over again throughout the day into the evening. But I had a toolbox of tools and the awareness to know that my migraine was triggering my stuff and I was able to process it, move through it, and get back to a place of equilibrium. Now, I believe that we are living in a time where many of us are feeling triggered by past traumas, stress, and just endless to-do lists. For many of us, just being in the holiday season has brought about a new level of stress and worry. Now, I want you to know that you don't have to go this alone. Today, I want to deepen this conversation about what we can do to manage these triggered moments. So I invited Ashley Bernardi to share her story and how she was able to turn it all around by learning how to process messy emotions and trauma through some simple strategies. Now, many of these strategies you have heard about before, you may even be doing today. But I love the way in which Ashley really demonstrates and shows us how to use them in the moments that matter because it can feel so doable. I think it's that that moment that matters. It's one thing to know how to meditate. It's one thing to know how to do breath work. It's one thing to know how to shake off or take a walk, but to do it in the moments where you really need to do it, that takes practice, that takes awareness, and that is what she's gonna be sharing with us today. Not only that, but also some of her best tools and resources to support you during times when you are feeling overwhelmed with it all and when you are feeling a perceived threat in your life, right? That stranger danger moment. What do we do? How do we respond? That's what we're going to get into today. Also, we're going to be talking about how to navigate change, especially if it's change that you did not ask for and it was not on your terms, right? Because at the end of the day, Stuff is gonna keep piling on your plate. How do we manage that? We wanna set you up for success, whether you are aware of when you are physiologically stressed and how to instantly change your state to feel relaxed. Now, before I bring her on, 
I would love to quickly sing her praises. Ashley Bernardi is the founder of a powerhouse media relations from Nardi Media, where she works with corporations, brands, entrepreneurs, and nonprofits in obtaining high-profile placements in broadcast. The traumatic death of her father at a young age and the diagnosis of Lyme disease and postpartum depression after the birth of her third child deepened her passion for health, wellness, and spirituality, and also taught her how to access her own authentic power to heal her life. She's a certified life designer, received her certificate in the science of well-being from Yale University. She's also the host of the award-winning podcast, Two Girls Talking. Let's welcome this new author to the show. Hey, one more thing. I want to share something that I've been consistently using for my energy levels this year. See, as a new mama, I am always on the lookout for effective and easy ways to boost my energy, especially my mental energy. And this year, I added Organifi's green juice to my morning routine, and I love it. Their organic green juice is made with 11 superfoods, and it's easy to make, and it tastes amazing. And luckily, Organifi has given me a promo code to share with you so that you can add it to your morning ritual. Use promo code Dr. Marisa, D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A, and get 15% off of your order at Organifi.com slash Dr. Marisa. Now, I'm going to have the link in the show notes for this episode, and I can't wait for you to try it. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Ashley Bernardi. How are you doing today? I am doing great. And I am so happy to be here with you and have an opportunity to share a little bit about my story and my message with your audience. Mm. Well, I just want to take a moment and celebrate you, mama of three girls, powerhouse in media and a journalist as well. Like I just love meeting powerful, incredible, successful, mission-driven women like yourself. And then, you know, and I'm really excited to learn because I have a feeling you're wearing many hats, you know, mm-hmm. given that you've got this incredible repertoire, right, where you have, you know, been a journalist for CBS News, Bloomberg, Washington Post, all of this, and then have, you know, had your experiences, which probably helped you to become the person that you are today, but then also having to heal from those experiences inspired you to want to help people move through their their trauma, their illnesses, kind of the things that you have been through. I'd love to kind of just hear how that all organically came together. Yes. Wow. I mean, and you're right. There's so many, us mamas wear so many hats and I do wear a lot of hats. In addition to being a mom, I'm also a business owner and now an author. And and this is something that I never thought would actually happen. It actually came up during the pandemic when I started getting really quiet and we started feeling those feelings of fear that started bubbling up, like what's happening here. And I was like, I found myself in a place where I've been here before. We're going through trauma. I know what trauma feels like. And that's when I felt inspired to write my, my book, which is called Authentic Power. So how I came here is it really started when I was 11 years old, Maritza. So I was a little girl with a nine-year-old sister and a happy family. And there was one night where we were all watching a family movie at home. And my dad had been tired that night. And so I ended up tucking him into bed. And the last words I said to my dad were, I love you, dad. And moments after that, he began breathing heavy and actually was having a heart attack. We didn't know that at the time. And he essentially, despite my sister, my mom and I trying to save his life, my sister was only nine years old and gave him CPR. My mom stood there in shock. And I ran to call 911 and gave them instructions and ran out 
to get help, what we found was there was nothing that we could do to save his life. It was his time to go. But of course, for an 11 year old child who just tried to save her father's life, I could not grasp the understanding that it wasn't my fault that he died. I thought it was my fault that he died. I thought that I didn't call 911 fast enough. Should I have helped my sister with CPR? Should I have gotten to the neighbors quicker? You know, so weighing on my 11 year old heart was in addition to the trauma of losing my father right in front of my eyes was also the guilt associated with, did I not do enough to save his life? So my life changed forever from that point. But what I did was not talk about my father's loss. My father was an army colonel and a Vietnam War decorated veteran, Silver Star. And my entire life, I had been told like, oh, you need to be strong like your dad. You need to be strong like your dad. And so I went on acting like I was okay or looking like I was okay, not necessarily acting like it, but I didn't talk about it. I tried to move on to have a normal life. I went back to school a week later, a week after I had this traumatic experience, I was thrown back into school, thrown back into things, looking to appearing normal. But of course, and I tried to, I tried to look that way. I didn't act that way. And I, what I found was I buried his trauma. I buried the grief for years and years and years. And it came out in other ways. It came out in people pleasing and lack of boundaries in uh, destructive relationships and destructive relationship with alcohol and dishonesty and telling lies. I mean, it, it came out in so many ways because I was not willing to share my truth, which was that I was broken inside my, and I, I didn't share that with anyone. So I somehow was able to mask my real feelings of feeling broken, feeling lost. And on the outside, I looked pretty successful. I went on to high school to become the secretary of my class. I was captain of my dance team in college. I was president of my sorority. And then even after I went on to pursue a pretty ambitious journalism career in New York City. All the while, real ne- really never once stopping to think and, and to allow the process of grieving of trauma to come through. I just kept burying it and burying it and burying it and bandaging it. And that's it. So it wasn't until I was in my early 30s that another trauma hit me over my head. And that was actually, there was two. It was Lyme disease and postpartum depression. And that is when I was forced to sit in stillness for the first time in my life since my dad had died. And I gave myself permission to start feeling because my body had no other choice. It was like I had buried so much trauma and grief and shame within me that my body was physically calling to be addressed. And I do believe that those feelings physically manifested themselves in exasperated my Lyme disease and postpartum depression at the same time. Then I went through the whole healing process when I actually started feeling my feelings. And here I am today to say I am a completely different person than I was almost six years ago when Lyme disease and postpartum depression hit me over my head. Mm, it's, gosh, I, I know this story. Gosh, it sounds sounds so much like my story, a different trauma, but you know, and, and watching you, let's call it achieve. Some people may call overachieve, right? Overachieve over, right? No surprise that you have created such success 
And you kind of ran and ran and ran until the next big Mack truck hit you. And yeah, I can't even imagine like in all of that and reconciling being a mama at the same time in that process. Talk to me about getting to that, you know, Lyme disease, no, no joke, right? Postpartum depression, no joke as well. Two major things to be happening, kind of coinciding at the same time. I would love to hear a little bit about coming on the other side of that. Was it that you kind of found out who you were authentically? Was it a part of that? Also a part of just starting to not only just heal the trauma, right? Heal all of that, that residue of all that trauma, but was it integrating more, more self-care for yourself? Like, what did that kind of look like? Was it more time for yourself? Love to know a little bit about that transformational journey. Yes. I, I hope that's such an amazing question. And thank you for asking. I will say this. The first thing that started the transformation was stillness. And it's because my entire life, I had tried to numb my feelings through so many different ways. I mean, it wasn't just like alcohol abuse. It it was like through relationships and through false love and through toxic friendships. I mean, there were so many different aspects of me just numbing it. Even like one could even say like work, work was an addiction too, which I was, I was addicted to my job as a journalist. I would sleep on my boss's couch because anything that would distract me from being alone and being in my skin and being still. And I'm so grateful for Lyme disease and postpartum depression because I was forced to be still. And from there, as a result of that, I was actually forced to listen to that wisdom within. And it was really when I started getting quiet and that that looked like a lot of different things for me. Some days I was so sick, I just would lay in bed and pray or journal or meditate. But really what it looked like for me was, and this is really about finding my own authentic power is honoring and accessing the wisdom that's already within. Like it was like my body already knew what I needed to heal, what I needed to do to heal. I just needed to listen and get quiet and still within. What I learned was that, you know, what I was hoping for in this whole journey with Lyme disease was that I was going to find one doctor to, to be my savior, to be that godlike figure to save me. And what I found was that that was not the case. What I found was that majority of doctors didn't even believe I had Lyme disease, which was so disheartening in and of itself. They wrote it off as anxiety, as fibromyalgia, as chronic fatigue. So I was misdiagnosed, misdiagnosed, misdiagnosed. So I was constantly hoping that someone would come to save me. But what I found was that I could, it was only me. It was up to me to save myself. And that meant that I needed to address years and years and years of trauma that had been buried within me. And that's where the healing started happening. Mm. And I was thinking about, like, I I talk a lot on this show and, and even in my books about trauma being the intangible. You can't measure it. You oftentimes don't even know that it's one of, it's the root cause in the background, really the driver of so much of our beliefs and behaviors and how we operate in the world. I was addicted to work. My Mack truck was severe chronic fatigue to the point where I couldn't get out of bed because I had just driven myself into the ground. And that was in that moment, you know, in my lesson, it was, I, I kept trying to do all like the healing modalities, the things that you're supposed to do. And I kept ending up back on the floor. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> this is supposed to be working. You know what I'm saying? I just kept, I'm like, why is it that I keep ending up back here? And I was like, oh, 
It's a deep-seated, deep-seated beliefs built on by the foundation of trauma. And until I heal that up, I'm, we're not going anywhere. I'm just going to yeah. keep spiraling back up. Oh my gosh. Preach sister. That is it. Like, that's it. it it's, it was so true. I, I like the trauma had physically manifested itself and in, in physical ailments that were causing me. Like, I, I mean, I'm sure that so many people can relate anyway, if you've had Lyme disease or if you know you're healing from trauma, but like I had constant migraines. I had vertigo. I had dizziness. My legs, my body went numb. I couldn't eat anything. I mean, this was just, this was Lyme disease, trauma, and postpartum depression all rolled up into one, you know, panic attacks. And I'll say this, healing was the slowest, most excruciating process. Yes, there were times that I believed I would never get better, but I... I prayed, I discovered the law of attraction of like what I put out into the world is what I'm going to give back. So I got really big about manifesting through affirmations. And so I even found one of my notebooks when I was in the throes of Lyme disease the other day, pages and pages of pages and pages of I'm healthy, I'm healed, I'm healthy, I'm healed. I mean, like I would write that for hours all day, every day. And then in addition to that, a community, because I don't think you can heal alone. And this was something that was really hard for me to do because someone who didn't want to talk about their feelings for their whole life, I reached out to people. I started reaching out saying, I am going through this and I need to tell you what's happening. And as soon as I started telling people what was going on, I was opened with just, I felt like I was being wrapped with angels around me, supporting me and just like praying for me, bringing me dinner letting me cry on my, on the floor, coming over and just letting me sob in their arms. This is why, like I say this in my book, like, you know, the power of connection and community is so important. And it's not just like with human, human, like friends, it's connection with oneself, with one's spirit, with your loved ones, and then connection with nature too, which is what I found so beautiful for me for connecting with nature like just putting my feet on the ground on the days where I couldn't even get outside and letting my feeling my feet in the grass sounds so simple, but it just, it, it moves so much within me to now here I am five, six years later, I just finished the army 10 miler. I used to not be able to get out of bed. So look how far I have come. And I've done that through, you know, many different ways that I've described just now. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about kind of embracing the emotions, right? We, we know so often a lot of us, we're just shoving them and shoving them and shoving them down. We're disassociating, we're distracting. And yeah, we're getting the runaround from our practitioners that, oh no, you just have anxiety. Oh no, just get on birth control. Oh no, da, 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 right? And not really looking at, I mean, how, guess, I, mean I can't even imagine actually how many of us are getting misdiagnosed, being misheard, especially women in particular. <laughs> we're just just no, that's not what it is. You just ha- just dismissed over here, you know. So going through all of that and knowing that there were emotions that needed to be healed and even felt. Talk to me a little bit about kind of embracing those emotions and kind of what that looked like for you. Yes, I love this question. So the old Ashley used to not embrace emotions. I used to just be like, oh, that's an uncomfortable, messy emotion. I'm not going to feel it. I'm going to go finish my work. I'm going to go drink a glass of wine. I'm just going to ignore it. 
But these emotions, what I've learned is that they're here for a reason. They're meant to be processed. They're meant to be addressed. We're meant to move through them. We're meant to even just acknowledging the presence that they're there. And so I found that when I would, you know, when I was in my throes of Lyme disease and I was moving through feelings of despair and hopelessness and grief for my own health, grief for my father, all these years later, I let myself sit and, and, and get curious about, okay, you're here today, grief. What, let's get curious about this. Where is this coming from? Where is it showing up in my body? Where, where am I feeling it today? Like I'm feeling it in my head. I started getting really curious. So I think this also comes from, you know, I'm a trained journalist. We're curious by nature. And so I found that when I started getting curious about my own feelings, or maybe I just had an off feeling and I couldn't identify the feeling. And that's, I've learned that that's also okay too. just sit with it. This is where I actually came up with my feel framework. And I'm so excited to to share it because I, when I was thinking about what did I do to actually teach myself to embrace emotions? And I came up with, I was like, well, first I focus. So focus on that emotion. Like, what is it that you're feeling? And if you can't identify it, that's okay. Just focus on it. And this can be done in a meditation. It can be done through journaling. I literally have journals like every single room. I was going to ask, I was gonna ask <laughs> if journaling was a big part of your, of your healing process. Oh my gosh. So big. So, and that's where like journaling has changed my life. I have so many journals sitting at my desk. It's kind of ridiculous. And I save all of them too, just to go back and see what's changed, see how much, how much project that progress I have made. But so first I focus on that emotion. So again, journaling, taking a meditative walk, meditating, or sometimes it's just like putting your hand on your heart, putting it on your belly, closing your eyes. Then I enter within that emotion. So that's like the hardest thing to do for people is actually say, I'm going in there, sadness. All right, grief, here we go. It's bubbling up and let's go. I'm going to go in there. And then the next is experience that emotion. So allow that emotion. It's okay to allow that emotion to to kind of overtake you for a second. What does that look like? Sometimes those uncomfortable emotions mean you might have a primal experience such as laughter, such as crying, such as screaming, such as sighing. And that that is all okay. Allow yourself to experience it. And then the last is listen, learn, and love that emotion back. So I am always grateful for every single emotion that I experience these days. And I, I know that there's within them, there's something for me to learn and there's lessons. So if I'm feeling sad about something, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sad about this. Well, it's actually making me feel grateful because I care so much about this person that I'm sad about. So it's a lot about reframing it too. And so going through focus, enter, experience, listen, learn, and love. I was like, oh my God, it literally spells feel. That's it. And I was like, this is it. I figured it out and it spells feel. So that's my feel framework. I use this framework all the time. I'll say the most that I use it is usually on my yoga mat, which yoga has been another huge healing modality for me is that I just let myself breathe through whatever I'm feeling. I was doing it the other day. I found sometimes you'll even find that you had emotions in you that you didn't know were buried. And I like the other week I was going through my feel framework and I was doing yoga and I started crying out of nowhere. And I was like, all right, here we go. Let's let, let's, let's get curious about this, Ashley. And then, so I sat and said, okay, what is this here for? What is it here to teach me? And then afterwards, and what I always say is that notice how you feel after you might not feel any better. That's okay. But I feel like, and I think that's also very important too. Like it's okay if you don't feel okay, even after going through this and releasing these emotions. 
but there's something that has opened the door to at least allow those emotions to come out because you have given yourself permission. And that's where the the healing happens is because I feel like our society, our culture does not give, allow us. And we don't allow ourselves. We don't give ourselves permission to actually feel. Hmm. Uh, Girl, I believe that 100%. I love, I love, I love your, the framework. I think it's phenomenal. And I want to ask two questions because I'm still in that process of healing that. Like there are definitely times where I'm just like, oh, go away emotion. I just, I got, mama's got stuff to do. You know, it's (laughs) anytime you're feeling an emotion, you work through the framework, but also you said that even in meditations, like if emotion comes up in meditation or in yoga, you feel through that as well. And so I love that. So is it, do you ever find yourself, I know that it's hard for people to kind of stop in, let's say they're in the thing and work through that process. They're probably running in more reactivity versus someone who is silencing, sitting with themselves, meditating, yoga. Have either one, have they been equally as beneficial to you, Ashley, honey? Have you found one easier to do than the other? I'm just curious because I know this. these are the nuances where people are like, this just feels, it feels too hard. Yeah. Okay. Let me say this. So I'm a type A person, right? So, and also a recovering work addict. I am the person who thought sitting for five seconds was too long and way too hard. When I first started sitting in meditation, I could not last longer than 10 seconds, 10 seconds. I was like, that is it. And you know why? And I talked to a lot of people about this. It's because it's really uncomfortable to do. We're not used to it. So of course it's hard and of course it's scary. So what I'm going to say to you, because to your listeners, because I've been in many, many people's shoes that might be feeling like this is go easy on yourself. Give yourself grace. If you're like, I cannot even think of even going through a feel framework, even if it's for a minute long or a meditation, even if it's for a minute long. Okay. You don't have to, you know what you can do instead Try taking three deep breaths right now. That's all you need to do. Like some days for me, when I need to like go and process something and I'm like, oh my God, I have another meeting coming up, but I have 30 seconds. I close my eyes. I put my hand on my heart and I just sit there for 30 seconds and breathe. And I open my eyes again. And there is a huge difference going into that next meeting with some more awareness of how I'm feeling and also centering myself versus the Ashley that's like, okay, I'm buzzing to the next meeting, to the next meeting, to the next meeting. And I'm ignoring what is really being called out for me to feel inside of me. Again, that's what I call authentic power, which is your wisdom within. We already all have the answers. I really feel like we all have the answers to our own healing, what our bodies need, what our hearts need, what our souls need. If we just allowed ourselves to be still and to listen to the wisdom that we all have within. Mm, So powerful. I have two follow-up questions that I'm really excited to ask. In this transformation, I want to kind of see what were some of the, the side benefits of this. And most importantly, I'd love to know the side benefits within your relationships? Oh my gosh. I love that. The side benefits. Well, in addition to, I'm going to say this, I was like a caterpillar wrapped in a cocoon for a very, very long time. There was this like transformation that I went on very slowly and inside through myself. So it felt like a lot of inner work, but outwardly what happened was I felt like I was rebirthed into a new person. I'll say that I felt like I was speaking my voice more. Or, you know, I said that like part of the symptoms of burying my trauma was just dishonesty and trying to people please people and also lack of boundaries, saying yes to everything. 
And now I feel so truthful in sharing my voice. And I'm also speaking up when I feel like I need to and putting those boundaries in place and also giving my myself permission to say no if something doesn't feel like a right fit, right? So I used to say yes to everything, yes to all the things because I'm so worried about what other people think of me. And now I'm like this, this like not, you know, I was like, you know, on TV and like cared a lot about what I loved. And now I'm like this non-makeup wearing like truce. And I like, I like wearing makeup, but like most days I'm like the true me is the one without makeup. The one that is wants to share and speak my truth and be vulnerable. And I think that's the bigger transformation here is that I am so much more vulnerable now and in a very safe and loving way and outwardly to other people than I ever have been. You know, if somebody, and we always, I always, and I say this in my book, like if somebody asks the question, how are you? We always say, yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah. you're. Right. It's just so not authentic. Like how, like, how can we get into these deeper conversations? And this transformation has allowed me to build relationships based on deeper conversations and like what my interests are, which is, you know, health, wellness, spirituality, the science of health and wellness. It's opened this transformative door for me so much so that during the pandemic, I went and got my certificate in the science of well-being through Dr. Lori Santos's course at Yale. And then I also got a certificate in Reiki. And I also got a certificate in being a life designer and life coach. So those are the types of transformations that have taken place. And it's because I've learned to speak my truth, be vulnerable, share my feelings in real time, and also address my feelings in real time. And I am so much happier and healthier because of it. My relationship with my children is richer. My relationship with my husband is richer, with my sister, with my loved ones, with my family, with my friends. I feel like I'm finally being my true self and serving the world in the way that God has meant me to serve. Ooh, so, so potent. So, so powerful. Just love, I just, I, I feel your authentic power. I feel your truth right now, Ashley. I just want to speak into that. That I'm girl, I'm feeling it. I, I got little <laughs> little tingles on my on my arms, which I love. Let's dive deeper a little bit into really feeling our emotion. And one of the things you say is that we really need to get primal with our meltdowns. Ooh, Can yes. you talk to me about that? <laughs> this is so fun. So in my book, I interviewed 20 incredible healing experts. And one of the experts that I interviewed was Dr. Jamie Hope, who's an ER doctor in Detroit. And we had this incredible conversation about, you know, it was in the middle of the pandemic and about how we feel all these emotions. And let's use children as an example, because we're both moms, we have kids, our kids have tantrums. And when they have tantrums, what do they do? They punch, they hit, they kick, they scream, right? That's what a primal, um, we, we call that meltdowns. <laughs> like it's actually a great thing. We've been doing that for years and years and years, um, for millennia. Right? Yeah, before, yeah, before. before we shoved it down deep, before we shoved it down. And so Dr. Jamie Hope was like, this is actually our primal instinct to allow ourselves to get these emotions out in a safe way. So she says there's a couple, there's, there's safe ways that you can do this as an adult. And of course, so we, she has a stress hard and stress soft toolkit. So stressing hard looks like this. And she has, have you ever, have you ever heard of dish therapy? Yes, I have. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So, it, so Dr. Hope talks about dish therapy, which is where you take like a trash can, you put it outside, you get goggles on, you do it safe. If there's anyone around you, you say, Hey, heads up neighbors, I'm doing dish therapy today. And you take old dishes and you slam them into a, a, a trash can. And, and I have, I have not done it, but Dr. Hope is like, it is the most satisfying thing you will ever do. And if you're like, Oh, I don't feel like breaking dishes today. Something else that you can do is just like take a pillow and like punch it and just like getting that stress out or going to a kickboxing class. Here I am. I'm like already doing it right here. Or you can, there's something else called a damn it doll and you can find them on Amazon. It's a little soft doll that you can hit against anything, right? Against any object, against your bed, anything soft, your, your couch. And that's a way to release that energy that's inside of you begging to be released. And then of course there's way, there's other ways too. So I personally love, I've gone through many, many breathwork courses. One that I love to release my emotions was one where we did deep breathing for an hour. And then at the end of that hour, we got to scream as loud as we wanted to. It was the most satisfying thing I have done in a very long time. And I walked away feeling like I was as light as a feather because I had just let my voice out. I let, I allowed myself to scream. I gave my family a heads up that I was screaming. I was like, all right, guys, here it comes. And of course I always invite my kids in on the process too, if they want to, if they want to join. So it can look like screaming. It can look like sighing. And those are some other ways that you can stress soft. So there's stress hard stress off. But what I want to say to your listeners is to think of ways that we can get emotions out in primal safe ways. And like something else I want to say that I'm just feeling called to say right now is, you know, when our kids are crying, our reaction is always like, stop crying, stop crying. Why are you crying? Right. And going through this process for myself, I've learned that it's, it's, I believe that it's not the right thing to say to kids. Our kids are teachers. They're here to teach us. If they're crying about something, I now say, Hey, you know what, Kate, it is okay to cry. You want to talk to me about it? I'm here for you. And there's other times where I let them scream. Sometimes I let them go and punch their pillows because they know it's in their primal instincts to get these emotions out. And they, our kids know how to do it in healthier ways than us adults do. So it's a lot about like reversing what we've learned in a society and as a culture and going back to the basics, which is what we were primarily meant to be doing is letting our emotions out in a safe way. I agree. 100%. I do just a couple of things. I, and I hear people screaming at a tree, yelling at a tree, you know, like tree's going to be fine. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways. I, I was once before, a long time ago when I was in school, I was a bartender and I would have, you know, crazy days or whatever. And then I'd get to come bartending and things break in the bar all the time. And I would, I broke at least a glass every time I was there, sometimes more glasses. It just depended on the mood because we had a place where broken glasses went. So I just would just break them. So I had my own dish therapy at the, at the bar. It was a good place to do it. I, not, not, not that one should be breaking other people things. And then the other thing that I wanted to point out was absolutely about children. I know a lot of, a lot of us are conditioned. Like I'll, I have family members or people when my, when my baby's screaming or crying, they're just like, no, 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 no. And I'm just like, no, he's that, let him work it out. Like he's having, he's working on his emotions. He's processing them. We're here for him. But I'm like, you know what? You, you get out what you need to get out. You, you say, you have something to say to mama, let mama know, you know, like he's, you know, and so we are a big, big fan of, of letting our, our Kingston express his emotions. Suppressing them is doing us no favors. 
you know, I, I, you know, people always say, you know, oh, well, kids are resilient or you can do this with kids. And I'm like, yeah, but are they? Because look at us. Look at us. Exactly. <laughs> and we haven't given ourselves permission to feel. And so like, w- like we need to also give our kids permission to feel too. And, and I think that's so, I think it's just a reframe. I, I would love to see happen more often than not in our culture. I am starting to see that shift, which I think is really beautiful, but I would love to see more of it because I think that then, you know, our kids won't end up like how I ended up. <laughs> or me, right? Yeah. I, and, and then all the work and, and thank goodness we get to do the work. I did so much work before I got pregnant and before I had Kingston because I was like, I am, this is not going down. I am, I am breaking the generational chain right now, you know, because it does have an impact on our relationships and how we show up in the world, how we, how in us authentic, unfortunately we become, how we people please and, and, or how we use addictions to placate and numb, you know, that, that uncomfortable feeling, you know, that, that we're not willing to work through. And I think this really transcends, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, as we're moving through these emotions, we're, we're, we are being the examples that we want to have our children really emulate. Let's talk a little bit about part of healing that we're making space for brave conversations. Talk to me a little bit about that. Cause I feel like we're touching upon that already. Yes. So, oh gosh, you know, and making space for brave conversations can go in a lot of different directions, particularly in my book. I talk about having brave conversations around death because this is something that I had never done as a kid. And I found that when my dad died, you know, we had never really been talked to. I grew up Catholic. So of course we knew that like, if you died and you did this, you were going to heaven versus going to hell. And that, that was really the extent of it. And so what making space for brave conversations looks like and why it's so important is because, and it's particularly as it relates to death is that I, death isn't scary. Now to me, it's not. And I don't think it should be to anyone. I think death can be and look like a very beautiful process if you allow yourself to openly talk about it. And so in there, in the book, I I interview um, Dr. Martha Callahan, who wrote this beautiful memoir called A Death Lived. And it was the process of her husband dying and how they made it this just beautiful celebration of his life while he was still alive. And I also realized people like me who had a sudden death in the family didn't get to have that long process. And I also do know that dying can look very, very sad for those who are dying of cancer or other long ailments. But if you are able to have those brave conversations early on about like, this is what I want my death to look like. And so for my children, I say, they know they have a grandpa who's in heaven who they haven't met. And, you know, they say, well, what happened? Why, you know, like, where is he? And I'm like, well, he, they know, they, they know everything. They know he died when I, when I was a child and we've also visited his grave. And so we, we look at death as something that's not scary. It's a natural part of life. It's something to be celebrated for our loved ones. And so I think it's so important to have conversations about death and dying what you want your own dying process to look like, what you want to happen, because people don't want to have these conversations. They think of a conversation around death as icky and like, Ooh, it's scary. And, and I don't think it should be like that at all. And even after death, you can still find so many ways to honor your loved one's life. And this was just such a beautiful process for me personally. And I'll just give an example of a couple of weeks ago, 
and I'm still honoring my learning how to honor my father's life, even though he passed 27 years ago. So I did take this brave step to run the army 10 miler. I've never run 10 miles in my, in my life, but I've trained for it. I ran in his honor. I wore a Ranger t-shirt and I did it in DC and it was so beautiful. And afterwards I felt called to go give, visit his gravesite at Arlington cemetery, something that I rarely ever do. I can count on both of my hands, the number of times I've gone to visit him. This was the couple of weeks ago was the first time in my entire life that I went to go visit my dad alone. And, and I, it was amazing. I, talked to him. I cried with him. I just felt like I could feel his presence there. And it was just me and my dad for the first time in 27 years. And I was like, dad, I ran the army 10 miler for you. I know you'd be so proud of me. And I just want to say that like those brave conversations can even look like having brave conversations even after death. Um, it's to keep that, that memory and that relationship up with your loved ones. Mm. Love that. Yeah, it's so powerful. There's so many ways in which we can have these really brave, brave conversations, whether it's, you know, in relationships or it's it's regarding a big, big event in our life. But having that emotional maturity by feeling those emotions, you know, Ashley, I just love, I love that you've gone on this journey. I know that it wasn't easy. And I love that you took your journey and your experience and and felt inspired to want to help so many more of us. I just want to say thank you so, so much. And we need to get this book. That is for sure. <laughs> okay. So yeah, there it is. Show, pick it, show it up again one more time. There it is. Oh my goodness. So exciting. Doesn't it feel so good to hold it in your hands? Yes, it does. And it's, it just, it feels so good to see it because I'm just hoping that it, it, it provides hope and healing for so many people who need it because I have been there and what I've learned. And this is a mantra that I, I, and an affirmation I've included in the book is that for anyone who is going through a hard time, what helped me was even if it's like in that moment is that this is temporary. This feeling is temporary. All of these feelings are temporary. And that in and of itself is so empowering. And it was something that I was so afraid to feel for so long because I thought these feelings of grief, of sadness it would never go away, but that's not true. That's not what emotions do. You don't laugh forever. You don't, you're not happy forever in the same way that you're, you're not grieving forever. All these feelings are temporary. So my, you know, my message to anyone who's struggling is that remind yourself it's temporary, remind yourself it's temporary and affirm that in your life. Because I promise you those messy and uncomfortable feelings, if you allow them to move through you and process them, there's so much healing on the other side. Mm, powerful. Well, thank you so much, honey, for jumping on. Is there anywhere else you want us to come plug into you besides going and grabbing the book? Grab the book and visit my website, Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y, Bernardi, B-E-R-N-A-R-D-I.com. Perfect. Well, thank you. And it was such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Marisa. This was amazing. What I know for sure is that we do not have to continue to suffer because of our past trauma. I want you to think about how life can be different for you if you adopt some of the tools that we talked about today and really processed those messy feelings. Right now, we have a unique opportunity to go inward and change the internal dialogue. We can decide, is this all happening for me or to me? We always have that choice and we get to choose today. And we are going to want to just love our bodies and work from a place where we can get grounded. And that's literally the tools that we talked about today. 
So one of the tools I want to recommend to you, if you loved Ashley's authentic story, her sharing, her tool set, the way that she was able to really turn some really serious conditions, traumas, life events into personal power, authentic power. I want you to go and check out her newest book or her, her only book, really, Authentic Power, Give Yourself Permission to Feel. I wanted her on the show because I felt like her story was so profound that any one of us could take so much from it. I know for me, that idea to giving ourselves permission to feel, we all need to be doing that. So I just wanted to just share that with you and I hope that you go grab the book. It'll be in the show notes for this episode. And I wanna say thank you so much today for listening in on the Essentially You podcast. This show as always is about providing tools to rock your hormones and to help you feel amazing in your body. If there's someone in your life that needs to hear this today, who needs to process some of those messy emotions, who needs to help move them out of a triggered state, take a moment, share this show, share this interview, take a screenshot or share it on social media. Tag me up and leave a hashtag hormone literacy or hormone CEO. In this next episode coming up on Friday, I'm going to be sharing five quick ways to overcome holiday exhaustion because the struggle is real. I know you're feeling it. I want to be able to help you move through some of that and to get your energy back. So in this, this show in particular, this interview, we just finished on how to process some of that stress and those emotions. In the next episode, we're going to be talking about how to reclaim that energy. So I look forward to seeing you then. Have an amazing day. 